gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's a podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fighting in the War Room. This is episode 8, the review segment. Today we are talking about two movies. Uh, We'll start digging into Zac Efron's That Awkward Moment, and then we'll segue into a review of Labor Day with our guest Amy Nicholson of LA Weekly. And uh, why don't we get right into things? Uh, it's just me, Matt Patches, and David Ehrlich uh, today. So, David, I heard that you ha- you felt like a personal connection, awkward mo- moment that you were really you were moved by this film. <laughs> Can you talk about <laughs> your emotional response? Uh, well, uh, do we want to set it up uh, first a little bit? Okay, that makes but what, sense. What the awkward moment is actually? What is the awkward I, I moment? The, I saw the film, and uh, I think that. The there were no real awkward moments uh, in yeah it didn't the movie. wasn't that awkward. I think the awkward moment is allegedly that moment as is set up by you know sort of crudely set up by some voiceover early on in the film um, the moment when a girl is like so what are we and the so like, I believe in quotes it's called the so moment the so yes uh, it's a movie this is a movie. Uh, that has absolutely no idea what it wants to be, but one of the things that it wants to be is something that is creating new lingo. It wants like hall pass or something like that, or one of those failed experiments that wants to become <laughs> part of the American vernacular. A movie I uh, have not thought about exactly. in a very long time. Um, but you know, it's that moment when a beautiful, emotionally available woman is like, hey, I would like to spend some more time with you. And you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, like, <that's>... Red alert. <laughs> um, this uh, This... This sort of tragic uh, romantic comedy that was produced by Zac Efron and written and directed by uh, Tom Gormican from a script that I was watching this movie and I was like, this feels like a blacklist script that was just neutered by the studio Which, system or its creator. And exactly. Then it was. <laughs> also, it, it should be noted that Zac Efron's production company that produced this film is called Ninjas Runnin' Wild. It is. And that's not running wild. It's running with an apostrophe. When you see that, that production title card <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, you know what you're in for. Um, but, yeah, so there are three friends. They all live – Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Zac Efron, and Miles Teller. There are three friends that all live in like a one-block radius uh, in these crazy, ridiculous, real-world-style apartments in Soho – and they all – two of them design book covers. Michael B. Jordan is a doctor who is married and his marriage isn't going well because his wife's cheating on him. And they make a pact to uh, not be in relationships and just be young and single and bro out together. And then sure enough, they all immediately get tangled up in things. Zac Efron meets Imogen Poots uh, who inexplicably is American. I don't understand why we need to have a throwaway line of dialogue that says, oh, she's from Chicago and she can't have her English accent, although her parents become part of the movie. And I guess that would have been harder to arrange if she was supposed to be from Britain. Yeah, because there's definitely no British people in New York <laughs> that you could cast as British exactly. parents. Um, and, uh, and there's not much tension in the movie. I mean, I... Well, on the one hand, I was relieved that they didn't make much uh, sort of a, of a conflict out of the idea that even though they make this sort of frivolous pact, they all find love. I think it would have been very silly if they're like, we can't be friends anymore because you like this girl. But uh, there really is no conflict. It's all about essentially uh, 
committing to someone when you're young and then putting away childish things and uh, and being an adult and the fear that comes along with that, which is something that I think Patches and I can both relate to. <laughs> um, but uh, And on that level, watching it, I was like, okay. But also, no one in this movie is recognizably human. So it only went so far. Zach, Zach Efron is a, is a void of emotion. <laughs> it's surprising oh. what a black hole he is. He's like... I mean, I, I found this movie to be really misogynistic and just, like, championing male chauvinism. And the women in this movie are objects, and Zac Efron is there to either fuck them or tell them that he's having some sort of emotional response despite not uh, have, making that clear through facial features or, or poeticism or anything. He's just a brick floating yeah. through this movie. Whereas Miles Teller is, like, a fun personality, and so is um, the girl that he kind of falls with, Mackenzie Davis, who is in a movie called Breathe breathe In um, that has not come out yet. Um, so she's she, the only, like, almost human. Oh, my God. She's a revelation. Thing. I thought she was wonderful in this movie. She's so natural and, and lovely uh, for all the right reasons. You know, she doesn't have to be hot. They don't have to dress her up. She's just a very sexy woman, and Miles Teller is a is a natural guy who falls for her who wouldn't and then of course zach efron has to be in the spotlight like the worst case scenario of a bradley cooper wannabe uh he's just a horrible human being and he we're supposed to get behind him as he fucks women throws them aside and and proves himself worthy of of a decent woman i hated this movie (laughs) yeah he uh the problem is that among you know, part of it wants to be Hall Pass, but another part of it wants to be a Judd Apatow movie, and there are a number of scenes. Where part they of have... it wants to be Hall Pass. That's, <laughs> that should be. It aspires to be Hall Pass. <laughs> but they have these three actors who only one of them, Miles Teller, has sort of any comedic uh, chops or, or natural ability. Um, and they have these sequences where they will take a. Uh, a moment that would not qualify for any Judd Apatow movie. It's like, oh. Uh, Michael B. Jordan masturbated with self-tanner and his penis is orange. And they will have the guys stand there and just riff on it for like three minutes. And none of them have anything remotely yeah. funny to say. <laughs> Zach Efron's <laughs> line is something like, your dick look like, looks like an orange popsicle. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can Zing tell they're all like, ha, 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 we are on the set of Knocked Up. But you're not. And it's uh, there's a reason why those comedies really only work for a select group of, of talent. And... Uh, and, you know, it, it's really difficult to watch in some respects. And Michael Jordan, this, uh, I don't know. This is the first thought that popped to my head. It is probably offensive, but whatever. <laughs> I got fired this week. I don't give a shit. Um, but it, uh, you need to make these bold claims. This is I how you know. get work. I, I literally, I was watching the movie, and I, the thought that popped in my head was that he was funnier in Fruitvale Station than he is in this wow. movie. <laughs> um, and that is not to take away from the tragedy of Oscar Grant's death. But I do, there are probably a few lightly humorous He makes some jokes at the meat. In Fruitvale Station. Yeah, he makes but, some jokes at the meat yeah, counter. Exactly. And none of, none of his jokes, not a single one of them. Uh, connects here. There's like this whole weird thing in the beginning about Morris Chestnut, which I will not spoil. Such a weird <laughs> joke. I think the joke is that if they keep repeating the name Morris Chestnut, yeah. eventually we'll laugh. Well, I laugh because, you know, I was like, I know what Morris Chestnut is. But uh, um, it's, I mean, this movie is sort of a misfire. I love Imogen Poots. I'm an Imogen Poots completist. I will see anything that she is in. Uh, she is a character, like, you know, she's not. Not a real person here. It is a misogynistic movie. I think that I understand the attempt to really tell something like this from a boy's perspective. Not that Hollywood is wanting that, mind you. I think that we have plenty of that. But uh, I think that you know, when you tell a story like this about the fears that men of a certain age have about growing older and, and 
growing out of their sort of childhood ways, you have to sort of get behind a... Uh, well, that's why Miles Teller seems like he could be this, the lead character of this movie. If you have a friend who's like, let's be single, let's be bros, and let's just pork some gals and do some shots and play some Halo and move on, like, that's a great life, right? And Miles Teller has to struggle with that, but he is not the star of this movie. The guy who's insisting they should... The guy who have, produced it. Yeah, and the guy who has sex with women and does shots and plays Halo... Is is the guy we're supposed to get behind? It makes no sense. Uh, yeah, and it's and, and I don't know. I mean, I think that while I could, in some distant remove, relate to what was happening, this was like the worst funhouse mirror version of or perversion of all of my neuroses. It was like these <laughs> these are the people I aspire not to be. Maybe this is like uh, a scared straight thing, like. If you if you're doubting the validity of a solid relationship and true love, watch th- that awkward moment for belief that it's aye, possible, aye. it's real. You can be a, an emotional male. But I do think you know at the end of the, it is important to be in touch with this this like very cliched Hallmark sentiment that comes about at the end of the movie, where he's like, you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't afraid because I thought you were the one. I was terrified because I knew you were. And I think that, like that's a fear that. That a lot of men uh, our age or thereabouts will need to confront at some point, and I'm not saying it's exclusive to men. I think women have, uh, you know, their own their own take on it, um, and I think it it is a viable subject for a movie. But the like completely asinine and gendered approach to this particular story, coupled with the fact that the crucial fact that it's just not funny, not funny, is uh, is is what kills it. Because if this movie were funny. A lot of things you sort of excuse. Although if I uh, ever take Viagra and I really need to pee, I guess I'll have – I'll know how now. You're supposed to like be perpendicular with your toilet and pee directly down into it. That's what I learned from that awkward moment. <laughs> oh my god. That was – what a fucking mess. I mean, I mean <laughs> Miles Teller is like, yeah, whatever. The sooner this movie burns out of theaters, the better. Bring <laughs> on Whiplash. Bring on Whiplash. Uh but Zac Efron's sort of in a bind. You know, he went indie with uh, At Any Price, which didn't go over very well. And now he's doing this. And this this is definitely his fault. Um, <laughs> From beginning to end. And Michael B. Jordan will be fine. Uh, and Todd, I don't know. I, mean, this, I actually but, have no it, idea where Todd Gormican really came <laughs> from. I've been hunting for information on him. And even his bio in the press notes that I received for this movie were like, he made that awkward moment. He has a couple of other things in development. It's worth it if you're a New Yorker to laugh at the disparity between the salary that they should be paid for the jobs that they do and the apartments they live in in the neighborhoods they live in. I love that they all yes, uh, have like illustrators sex- <laughs> who have giant sex dens and they only drink <laughs> top shelf liquor. Mm-hmm. And they live uh, – they have like their Sex in the City brunch hangout is right across the street from McNally's uh, bookstore and it's like the entire movie takes place in this one block radius and it's very, very silly in this – it's as much of a fantasy to me as like Man of Steel or, or The Lord wow. of the Rings. I'm like, what, what universe is this? But, so, uh, so David, when this – when that awkward moment is playing on replay at like 2 a.m. Yeah. on Showtime – I, I will future, watch all of it you'll probably watch myself. <laughs> okay. Just checking. <laughs> Nicholson, thank you for joining us for our review of Labor Day. Uh, where, where, where do you, where are you working right now? Where can people find you? Just to kick things off, where did you pen your review of Labor Day? 
Well, hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me, first of all. And uh, yeah, of the LA Weekly, I'm their chief film critic over here in California. Excellent. So basically, Labor Day, and correct me if I'm wrong, everybody, um, Labor Day, nothing happens in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is about a very depressed single mother, borderline uh, agoraphobic, I would say, named Adele, played by Kate Winslet. And would her... you even say borderline? I mean, okay, she, she doesn't. Well, she goes out sort of, or do agoraphobic drive. Yeah, she right. goes out. She goes out once, and look what happens. <laughs> so, uh, I did not realize it was only a once the year thing. So it's a, there's a big coincidence that's kind of stupid. Okay, um, and she has a son named Henry, played by uh, Gatling Griffith, who I'm not very familiar with. Uh, decent actor. Uh, and one day they go out. It's Labor Day. They're going to the store, and and lo and behold, they run into Josh Brolin, who plays this guy named Frank, who is an escaped convict, and he would really like to take refuge in their home. So he kind of forces them to drive him to their place and and put him up for the night. Um, But he's actually a really nice guy, you know, just because he murdered someone and he's on the run from the cops. um, He's a, he's a, he's a nice chap and um, you know, they live in a decrepit home. So he fixes it up for them. He'll fix the door. He'll clean the gutters. He's a great baker. Uh, as we learn over the course of the film, and um, and and you know, after a while, they realize maybe they don't, maybe they're not being held hostage, but they actually love Frank, um, and that's pretty much the gist of the movie. It's from Jason Reitman, who previously directed Juno and Up in the Air and Young Adult, and this seems like a bit of a departure for him. But does it work, Amy? Not in the slightest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is basically like. A very serious prestige piece that's actually just – it should have, like, Fabio on the movie poster instead of Josh Brolin. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like It's a little I, Nicholas I, Sparks-ish, I would, I would say. Exactly. It's, like, super Sparksy. I mean, like, Josh Brolin shows up and he's, like, this amazing ex-con – well, current con with, like, a heart of gold. I mean, he even teaches the boy how to, like, play catch. Which will uh, be a skill he'll harbor for the rest of his life. You know, he'll be a great baseball player. Exactly. And can we please talk about the scene where Josh Brolin and Kate Winslet get together and make a pie? That seems to be what people will walk away from this movie remembering. Uh, we'll there always only be referencing scene? the pie. <laughs> I, I felt like that was the, the brunt of the film. The movie is the pie-making scene. <laughs> well, why, I mean, that, that speaks to the movie as a whole that not very much happens when they're kind of falling for each other and hiding out. And it's a lot of like, will they be not- caught by the police? Will they not be caught? Let's bake a pie. Speaking of not very much happening... The thing that really – I mean if this movie had any chance of working, which I don't think it necessarily did, it falls apart the moment you are reminded or remind yourself that whatever does or does not happen, it all happens within the span of 72 hours. <laughs> it all happens over Labor Day weekend. This entire like seismically life-changing thing. Uh, the drama is flimsy and, and rather unbelievable as it is. But when you factor in the limited window under which it happens, uh, it really falls apart. You are super right, and I think I have a theory for that. Do you guys know the story uh, behind Labor Day? Uh, I uh, only it, know that it's based, Salinger it's based on a connection? book by Joyce Maynard, who had an, a, a brief fling with J.D. Salinger. Oh, be careful where you say that. Oh, yeah, I she'll know. come after you. <laughs> we're we're going to get a, a great iTunes review from Joyce Maynard. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, because I, I think you guys heard that when I reviewed this, I mentioned in passing in a clause that Joyce Maynard is best known for uh, hooking up with uh, J.D. Salinger when she was 18. And I got a nine-paragraph angry letter from Joyce Maynard 
about that, saying that she is much, much more than that person. And I should have referred to her as the columnist for the New York Times, author of several books, all sorts of things that would have filled the entire work kind of my review. Author Which, of the book that led to the not very good movie Labor Day. Exactly. And what this is kind of based on is Joyce Maynard actually had her own mental affair with a convict. Um, she was writing letters with this guy whose name was Lucky and he was in Calipatria State Prison out here in California and they wrote letters back and forth and she built up this huge fantasy about who he was Um, and then he sent her a picture and she was so heartbroken by how ugly she was or by how ugly Lucky was that all she could do was write about it for Vogue magazine whoa so Joyce Maynard basically wrote like erotic fiction about her jail pen pal yeah that's exactly it labor day you know (laughs) we're we're kind of shitting on this movie but i ended up i walked out of the theater kind of enjoying it i mean Mm -hmm. it's not a great film but i'm thinking back to a day you know maybe it was in the 70s or the 80s when most movies were pretty good or at least aspired to be pretty good thoughtful dramas for adults and not all of them could be great some of them were just kind of good and this is falling into that category for me i I feel like Reitman is showing off something here I mean, it feels this movie feels like a wormhole into a more innocent time. I mean, they don't uh, this this film uh, feels antiquated, if not archaic. And I think certainly by design, it's a bit of like comfort food. Uh, but yeah, I, I think peach that pie, if you will, <laughs> right? Um, and and Kate Winslet, who I think has played this role and to better effect in a number of movies, where you can sort of measure it on the Kate Winslet frazzled meter. Uh, I think if you took sort of isolated headshots of her characters from 10 different movies, it would be almost impossible at this point to tell the difference. But she gives a fine performance, but I think it's all uh, very maudlin melodrama. The, by the time James Vanderbeek enters the equation as like a concerned cop and they're running away and whatever. And then, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the Tobey Maguire narration. I mean, what percentage of movies these days are narrated by Tobey Maguire? <laughs> I, I don't even know. Not but the enough. Way that they, Jason Reitman could many. not have foreseen this trend. <laughs> and the way that they uh, they sort of bridge the gap from the time when the movie set to including it. And the last shot, it's, I mean, it becomes very hokey um, and, and easy well, easy to loathe and laugh at. Well, one of I the, mean, oh, after you, Amy. Uh, I was just going to jump in and say, like, I, I think I found myself very offended by Labor Day because I feel like Jason Reitman thought he was making it for women like me. Mm. You know, women older than their 20s, women who think Josh Brolin's kind of cute, I guess. Uh, and it just felt like this fantasy geared towards women who want, like, the thinking man's Nicholas Sparks. And it was so bad that I just found myself mad. Like, he was trying to read my brain, and then what he thought my brain said just insulted me. Is it weird that I thought it wasn't erotic enough? Like, it's a very chaste movie for being as... You think it could have used the little, the little children treatment? I actually, I mean, I think I thought of little children during this movie because Kate Winslet was there too. But I mean, that's at least a steamy, they're taking chances, they're taking a risk, they're propelling their lives in a different direction. I don't really know why Kate Winslet's character, maybe because she's so frail, allows herself to get wrapped up in Frank so much. I don't, I don't see the love affair blossoming well all a woman needs we can all agree that all a woman needs is you know uh, a beefy man to come in fix the things in a house that are too delicate for for her lady fingers and then some good dicking and then you know life is uh, back <laughs> on track no dicking there's implied, there's implied boning. there's implied boning there's a thing where gatlin griffin is is like staring at his wall nervously because you imply that he's hearing some hot winslet boning i it sounded like heavy petting 
to me. Or- Dude, this guy's been in prison, man. You think he's not going to grab some of that Kate Winslet the second he gets a chance? He okay. made her a pie. I mean, That's the whole true. tension of the first half of the movie is like, is this guy going to rape me or not? I mean, like, that's that's the uh, that's like how violent is he? Like, how how is he going to reconcile? His that's the thing. He has to he has like, to tie them up. Tendencies. He ties yeah. her up to a chair at some point, and just like the way they grasp each other whenever anyone knocks at the door. I mean, it's all I, highly sexual, but I kind I felt like it needed to take the plunge. Yeah, I mean, what think- I mean to say is that I echo Amy's uh, Amy's sentiments as far as her being offended. I just thought the movie was so tepid and uh, and harmless that. You know, it's it's much easier to dismiss than it is to really let sink under your skin. I'm not 100% sure that Jason Reitman even made this movie because I know his name is on it as the director and I know it's on the writer, but I don't see anything Jason Reitman about this. I mean, this film is like 180 degrees away from Young Adult, which to me is one of the best movies ever made about what it's like to be like a I love woman on Young Adult. I completely agree with you. And I wonder if – do you think that this is some, has some sort of connection to Reitman's love for Spielberg, not just because he's nodding to Spielberg throughout the film, but something to do with father issues? I mean, the way it's composed, the way it's lit, um, there's, a, uh, uh, there's a confidence and elegance to the way that he's shooting it, but it doesn't feel honest to him. It doesn't feel true to the story either. Uh, it just feels very Spielbergian. And there's this whole thing with the, with the son and his daddy issues, and I feel like all the suburban vistas are very Spielberg. What's the connection there? This doesn't feel like the right story to necessarily tip the hat to Spielberg, but it's going out of its way to do that. Yeah, you know, I actually hadn't thought of that, but the Gatlin Griffin kid looks almost exactly like young Henry, Henry Thomas. And his name is Henry. Oh, God. That might be from the book. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there, there's posters. They're watching Close Encounters. There's a lot of Spielberg-isms in, in, in this movie, and I, I don't really get what that's all about. I also don't get why Henry is like this weird sexual entity as well, like how that's supposed to counter what... Kate Winslet and Josh Brolin are brewing behind closed doors. You know, he, at one point, he's like, I wish I could have sex with my mom. I'm paraphrasing, mm. but... Uh, <laughs> but I, I didn't, I didn't remember that voiceover line. <laughs> uh, no, well, he, he's like, I, I want to be a good husband to my mom, but I can't deliver in the end, you know? Yeah, and, mean, he, and he kind of despairs to do that, and he, wa- and he starts emerging as a sexual individual. You know, he has dreams of the girl who sits in front of him in school's bra strap. And I think he- that if there's like a Freudian film website that approaches every movie through that lens, I would be interested in their take. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't... I, I, to echo what Amy was saying, I don't necessarily know what, what Jason Reitman's intentions were here or why he thought this was a good idea. I'd be very interested in, in hearing him out uh, because unfortunately the movie doesn't do a very good job of articulating what he was hoping to to get out of the text um but yeah this feels like a pretty massive uh, pretty massive misfire to me and i think uh confirms it gives a lot of ammunition to people like me who have not uh, ever been especially enamored by jason reitman i did think young adult was the most and perhaps only interesting thing that he's done um and this was uh you know the least the least Positive, positive way to build on that as far as I can tell. It's true. I mean, what's weird is, you know, on the surface, I think Young Adult is like by far the more cynical film. Labor Day is all is so sweet and well-meaning. But thinking about Jason Reitman deciding to make this and this terrible script and positioning it in for awards consideration like he did here in, in uh, California, this feels like the more cynical film like under the surface because mm-hmm. uh, I just don't feel anything personal in it at all. Mm. There's a lot of Joyce Maynard in it. 
but yeah. don't, don't. Did you know that she used to sleep with J.D. Salinger? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Joyce Maynard's behind me. Oh. Uh, well. <laughs> the angry emails are coming from inside your house. <laughs> I don't know if anyone can recommend and they Labor pie. Day except Joyce Maynard. But um, I don't know. Is there anything positive about Labor Day, Amy? Do you have something nice to say about it? Um. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. I'm glad that Kate Winslet continues to get work because I love her. There you go. She's very lovely. Yeah. In, in many other lovely. movies. I, uh, I would like to her, to see her play a role where she is not – like I liked in Contagion when she was like a little bit more put together even if it didn't necessarily pan out well for her character. I would like to see her move away from sort of these more exasperated, flailing women. Well, wait until Divergent. Roles. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about Divergent. The role she plays in that. I don't know anything about it. I think she's in charge or something. Uh, well, I think that about wraps things up on our review of Labor Day. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me come on. And and where can people find you on the internet? You're, you're at LA Weekly. How about Twitter? Are you on the tweets? Twitter? Yes, I do tweet. I am at the Amy Nicholson on Twitter. Thank you so much. And, Thanks, guys. Uh, why, why, don't we, why don't we say our goodbyes? David? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Where can oh, people yeah. find you on the internet? Oh, geez. Uh, well, uh, I have left or been asked to leave film.com. So I uh, am currently on my own picking up the pieces. I imagine you will be able to uh, read dispatches of mine from the Berlin Film Festival, where I will be next week uh, on various websites i don't really know yet um but uh you will you will be able to find me somewhere you've gone rogue well you're on the twitter i am on the twitter at david ehrlich and at criterion corner um and no longer at film d-o-t-c-o-m you're, you you own the tumblr hopefully i do own the tumblr and have to you know revert it to some other get name. on that and uh, I am Matt Patches. I am also a rogue agent. We all are now. Oh, sad. Um, and all my work is kind of collated at mattpatches.com. And I'm on Twitter at Mr. Patches. And we'll be back to talk to you next week. Later.